and without a certificate, no work. This is the kind of suffering and persecution this church was experiencing. Now let us take a closer look at how Christ commended them in verse 9. Christ commended the church in Samina in three ways in verse 9. First, Christ commended the church in Samina for the tribulation they experienced. Christ said in verse 9a, I know your tribulation. The church in Samina was experiencing persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Samina took great pride in the fact that it beat out ten other cities for the privilege of building a temple to the emperor Tiberius in 26 AD. The Christians in Samina refused to worship the emperor by saying, Caesar is Lord. Obviously for Christians, only Jesus is Lord. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And so the unwillingness of Christians to worship Caesar branded them as unpatriotic. It is likely that Christians in Samaria were ostracized. Work became unavailable. Opportunities for growth vanished. And they were excluded from society. Number two, Christ commanded the church in Samaria for the poverty they experienced for his sake. Christ said in verse 9b, I know your poverty. Samina was a very rich city. And it is strange that a group should be singled out as being poor in such a city. Perhaps the Christians belong to the lower ranks of society as the scriptures described in the book of Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, and it says, Not many were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Or perhaps the Christian's love for the poor caused them to give so generously that they themselves became poor in doing so. But these factors don't adequately explain how this would be the reason for their tribulation. More likely, however, is the fact that Christians would not conduct their business practices like everyone else in Samaria. They would not participate in underhanded deals and so they lost business. Non-Christians have very negative attitude towards Christians, and so they simply refused to engage in any kind of business with them. And that led to the material poverty of the Christians. But said in verse 9b, by Christ Jesus, you are rich. Christ values are not the same as the words value. People in the world value material riches, whereas Christ 
values, spiritual riches. Then number three, Christ commanded the church is a minor for the slander they experienced. Christ said in verse 9c, I know the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not. But a synagogue of Satan, this word seems harsh to our ears because we have become so politically correct in our culture. We don't want to offend anyone. Okay? We want to please everyone. But that's not what God wants us to do. And sometimes we want to preach the gospel that we want people to hear, not what God wanted to hear. That's not what God wants us to do. The culture is creeping into the church and we need to stand up and rise and speak the truth and nothing but the truth. How can we affect our society? Remember the Bible says that the judgment of God will start from the household of God, the church. Remember that Christ was a Jew. John was a Jew. And they were speaking of fellow Jews here. Christ was asserting that Jews who hated and rejected him were just as much Satan's followers as those who worshipped the emperor. So the church in Samina was commended by Christ for what they experienced in terms of affliction, poverty, and slander. I would like you to note that this church experienced trial and difficulty and suffering, and yet they remained faithful to Christ. After commending this church, Christ went ahead to issue a command. Now let us see what they were commanded to do in verse 10. There were two commands that Christ gave to the church. First, Christ commanded the church in Samina not to be afraid. He said in verse 10a, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Ten days, maybe ten months, ten years, or more. After commending the Christians in the church in Samaria for the suffering they had already endured, Christ warned them that more was on the way. More was on the way. He will give them the strength to endure it. For Christ had said to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Because of Christ's victory, Christian can say with the psalmist in Psalm chapter 56, verse 11, In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Christ
Christ commanded them not to be afraid. Then number two, Christ commanded the church in Sinai to be faithful. He said in verse 10b, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Though the Christians in Sinai were experiencing tribulation, and more was to come their way, Christ encouraged them to remain faithful to him. Even unto death, he also promised them a rich reward for remaining faithful unto death. Namely, he would give them the crown of life. After commendation and command, Christ goes ahead to warn them in verse 11. Christ said in verse 11a, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Christ appealed to believers to pay attention to what he said to them through the Spirit. Christ said in verse 11b, The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The Bible talks about two kinds of death. The first death is physical death, and the second death is when non-Christians are sentenced to hell for all eternity. You can see that a believer who suffers for Christ has so many benefits. It doesn't matter what you are going through now. As far as you believe in Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, forget about it. Because if you remain faithful to the end, you will receive the crown of life. It doesn't matter. To be a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to face trouble. It's part of the package. Suffering, persecution, temptation, trials, they are there to test our faith. And also for us to learn a lesson from it. It doesn't matter. The first death which will happen to us all is only a transit to heaven. Also, such believers will escape spending eternity in hell. What a great encouragement for us. What a great encouragement for all of us. Suffering for Jesus Christ is a mark of every true Christian. And church, personally speaking, I remember the many rejection I faced from family and friends the moment I got saved. The moment I gave my life to Jesus and applied a lot of frictions, persecutions. But although I experienced this, I know many believers that have worse scenario, mostly in northern parts of my home country, in Nigeria. I don't know, many of you have seen a terrible, very severe persecution here. Have any of you? Witness any persecution? We 
have so much freedom in this country. But there are some countries where they don't even have freedom to worship God. But we have it here. Yet, people don't come to church on Sunday. People prefer to go to gym, do other activities, watch television, play games. We abuse the freedom God has given to us to come to church to hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The church must arise and stand for the truth. Today we are here for positions and authority, isn't it? We fight for positions, we fight for authority. But that's not what church stands for. We need to be out there to tell people about Jesus. Persecution for the sake of Christ. It's repeatedly stressed in scripture. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 to 12, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus Christ himself experienced celebration, poverty, and slander, which led to his unjust imprisonment and death. So he himself experienced that of which he says to the church in Samaria and to Christians in all churches, in all ages. And the big question for us this morning, what about us? What about you? You are the church. Without you, there won't be any building here. You are the church. What about us? The sad truth is that we tend to shrink from suffering for Jesus Christ. The world is opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our tendency is to dilute the gospel and lower the standards of God's truth, so as not to give offense. We want to preach what people want to hear, not what God wants them to hear. We water the gospel, whatever goes. Okay? But that's not what God wants us to do. The Bible still remains the truth, and we must follow the scripture. Many people have deviated from the truth. It's not about the quantity, but about the quality. Preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus. We love the praise of man more than the praise of God. At the last point, we should not provoke suffering. Nevertheless, if we compromise less, we will suffer more. Smyrna was a suffering church because it was an uncompromising church. What kind of church are we? An uncompromising
organizing church. It's just that stand to speak the truth. Nothing but the truth. Or a church that compromised just to belong to fit in whatever goes. I want you to pray in your heart. Remember one day you are the church. What kind of church are you? A church that stands for what is true. A church that speaks the truth. An uncompromising church. A church that believes in the word of God. Or a church that do whatever anyone says. We remember the people that are called Bereans in the Bible. Do we know them? The Bible says that after hearing the word of God, they go home and search the scripture to make sure it is right. Today we don't even have time because we live in a busy culture. Where if you're not on your phone, you're on an iPad, laptops, or shopping. We don't even know what people are preaching are true or not because we don't search the scripture to find out what kind.